0: Hello, welcome to the West Side Podcast. This is where we'll post some of our audio from our sermons on Sunday, and we're so glad that you're here. West Side's vision is to reconcile people to God through the grace of Jesus step by step. We hope you enjoy, and thanks for tuning in. I don't know about you, but uh, my assessment of humanity, whether we're committed parts of the community of God or participating in the kingdom or not, Uh, we struggle with a lack of confidence at times. Can anybody say, yep, that's me at times. We're unsure about the future, insecure around others, and insecure body image for some of us. Some of you ripped guys, you're fine, you don't have that issue, but you make those of us who are not ripped insecure. So we'll just leave it at that. You know, uh, insecurity or, or low uh, confidence, I, I, I think sometimes over the course of my life, and this could be inaccurate, but I believe I have observed, have observed a kind of three types of people uh, when it comes to acknowledging or not acknowledging their insecurity. One would be the people Pleaser. Probably nobody here struggles with that. I have at times. In fact, all three of these are areas where I struggle on occasion. But yes, boss, do you like me, boss? Here's my picture on Facebook. Please like it. Please heart it. Please happy it, whatever you do on Facebook. This um, people pleaser. And then there's the fishers. Fishers. Uh, Pam, even as I go through this, Pam's going to be giggling and say, yep, that's Tom for you. Like when I preach a sermon, because I feel like sometimes I really stink at it, and I genuinely feel that way. On the way home from here, from another assignment, I'll say, babe, was it okay? Did, Did I, you think I represented the text right? Did God touch you? Just wanting her to affirm me in some way, you know, chasing and fishing for stuff. It might be a Facebook pal or Instagram person that, you know, takes a selfie and she goes, wow, I'm feeling pretty blah today but you know what's going on. She's looking for that. Hey, girlfriend, you're looking fine today. You did good. And then there's the one-uppers. I, this one really kind of sticks in my craw. That's a very old phrase. You can look it up later, but um, it's the one-uppers. You, you know the one. You, you share with them, oh, my four-year-old just memorized their first scripture passage. We are so excited. But... The one you share it with says, well, very excited for you. And that's cute. But my five-year-old just memorized the Psalms in Hebrew. And you're like, I don't like you anymore or whatever. You know, one of the, one of the tragedies or the losses, I think, that we experience with insecurity or low esteem and... and uh, when we talk about confidence, I think you're going to be surprised which direction we go here. But, but it does rob us of living the life that God has created for us to live. Because we don't have our confidence in the proper place. Where does our confidence come from? You know, I, I was around in the 70s. I know you find that hard to believe because of my youthful appearance. But... The 70s was like this human potential movement. Everything was about bettering self. And you did it through this program or that program. And it came down to live life how you want to live, you know, whatever for the rest of the world. Um, But not having our confidence where it should be. For example... If our confidence is misplaced, so to speak, we may not seek the job that we believe is the job for us because we just don't have what it takes. Maybe it's something like a a calling uh, to a different dimension of ministry. Now, each and every person in this room or listening to the podcast is, if they're a follower of Jesus, is a minister of, Of the gospel. So I'm not implying that the only ministry that takes place happens up here, you know, the us four and no no more group. It doesn't work that way. We're all redeemed for the purpose to minister to others. But I would say this that sometimes God calls us into an expression or a dimension of ministry unlike where we have been before. And we refuse to take those steps because we don't think that we can do it maybe some of you won't take a step in an important relationship the next step because it simply feels too big insecurity a lack of confidence etc today's message is actually titled positively confident positively confident let me tell you what uh, an important truth it's a two part truth but I believe this with all my heart. We don't need more self-confidence. Some of you are going to send me hate mail. That's fine, because you don't know my email address. No, here it is. TomF at idontcare.com. You can send it there. The point I'm trying to make is there's so much emphasis on self, That sometimes, even as Christ followers, we forget the second part of this truth. We don't need self-confidence. We are to cultivate a God confidence. Cultivate God confidence. And you might say, that's really stupid. Where'd you get this idea? And I'm glad you asked, because I'm going to tell you. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12, in the message. Oh, Tom used the message. Oh, not the king james version or the esv do you have that text anywhere there quarrel first corinthians 10 verse 12 i love this rendering because it works in the message forget about self-confidence it's useless cultivate god confidence if you're a candidate to cultivate more god confidence just say amen Listen, there's more than 100 people here today. I heard 17 of you. I'm going to give you one more shot. If you want to cultivate a greater God confidence, say amen. Amen. Let's do it. I think we should take it on. You know, self-confidence, it's a pretty fleeting thing. At least it is in my view of life. However, when we see a God confidence develop, there's stability. Security, certainty, acceptance, approval. Those are the, and and my self confidence, it always leads me astray. Anybody else ever been led astray by the certainty that you knew exactly what you were to do and when? I have, and I don't like it. And I'll tell you why I shudder a bit. Maybe it's because I was old enough to participate in the human potential growth movement of the 70s. I don't know. But I shudder at the notion of pursuing self-confidence at all costs. Number one, my heart is deceitful above all things. You know where I learned that? The Holy Scripture. And if you think your heart is not deceitful, bless your heart, that's so cool. But we need to recognize that we are deceitful people at times. The other reason that I'm not keen on self-confidence is this. I know in my, whatever giftings God may have put into me, my carnal nature, the flesh, always gets me in trouble. It always does. Well, just believe in yourself. Be confident in yourself. <clears throat> that is like trying to hold water in your hands. God confidence is where our future is. Psalm 57 verse 7 from the New Living Translation. My heart is confident in you, O God. My heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your Praises. I noticed this morning that as we went through the three-song set, as I began immersing myself, not only in the lyrics, but in the presence of the Lord, there came a greater recognition of the fact that Jesus Christ saved my soul. And in the vernacular of a different generation, we could say, saved my bacon, or saved, I won't add the third one, but we could say all kinds of things. And I found myself enjoying praising God because I recognized how the only confidence that I have that is lasting is actually the confidence that I have in him. Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And our self-confidence, mind you, is all over the map. Three truths that I want to share with you about cultivating God Confidence. The first one is this, and you'll go, oh, this is so routine. I've known this since I was in Sunday school, or I've known this for three weeks, or whatever. Our God is always for us. And I want to put it kind of in the more first kind of thing. My God is always for me. Would you say that phrase with me? My God is always for me. And it's true, but in our frailty and uh, this inaccurate view of God that we can sometimes have, we have a feeling that God's love, God's acceptance, God's favor, God's approval is contingent upon how well we perform religiously. Like God's going to like us more because we perform for him. Any of you ever get stuck in a place where you know you've misstepped and you automatically think, God's mad. God's disappointed in me. I don't think that that's true. Jesus paid a pretty high price that we might be made right with God and it's gonna take a little bit more than a misstep here and there. Like, oh, I did good today so I know God's gonna answer my prayer. He has to. No, God doesn't have to do anything. He doesn't. Or I did terrible. I really messed up big time, so God's disappointed in me. Let me uh, kind of illustrate it this way. I'm really curious to know, because I'm not sure if you all have offspring, but how many of you are parents? Parents. Parents. I'm gonna give you time for those of you that aren't sure. (laughs) Parents. Here's here's the crazy thing about parents is one we're crazy people but even though Pam and I may not agree with the life choices, decisions, mannerisms, etc. of our children, of which we have 4 from 28 to 39 and one in between. It's like we will always and forever be for our kids. Right, parents? We're going to be for our kids. We might have to straighten them up. I don't read into that. That was something we did back in the day. I don't know if any of you know this, but my father was from the generation that would say, if you want to cry, I'll give you something to cry about. And, and you younger ones are going, oh, my gosh, he was abused. I was, I'm fine. Really. I, really. Really. I even know how to put up a sign upside down. What are you talking about? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. As I mentioned in the series a little bit earlier, we know from uh, from Paul in Romans when he says in chapter eight, verse 31, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? See, there's no greater power in life than the power of our good God. Therefore, he will get you through. He will get me through whatever it is that we're facing. He's that faithful. God is always for us. Let me give you an illustration from my life, if I can remember that far back. The, um, there are four Fox kids. I have a younger brother. I have two older sisters. Uh, my dad uh, was a high school football coach and athletic director. He ended up, he passed away when he was the well, president of the Multnomah Athletic Club in Portland. He was quite an athlete. My mom was a health and phys ed professor at Portland State and she coached the gymnastic team for a few years. And then, of course, all the Fox kids, of which were not kids anymore, but were their kids. Babe, I'm gonna need my water. I'm starting to choke on my flam or something. Going down, going down. Uh, Do we have one of those AED devices handy? (laughs) that'll keep you awake or run you out the door. But uh, anyhow, so we all did sports, which was fun. I love sports. Everything was about sports, 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 sports all year long, always doing sports. And um, unfortunately, my parents divorced when I was 13. And that's kind of when sports took off then. They didn't have stuff for like little people back then uh, that I remember. And so um, I remember doing sports through uh, junior high and high school and like when my dad was able to make it to a game i got kind of i got kind of tight you know i didn't play as well because for some reason some notion maybe it's because of the divorce maybe it wasn't i have no idea but i wanted dad to approve of me more to love me more now you guys, some of you are nodding. You're like, yeah, I get that. I get that kind of thing. Well, here's, here's the deal. My dad was a pretty sharp guy. And he said to me, he says, Tommy. That, that's my given name is Tommy. Uh, don't ever call me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's Tommy. So, so he says, Tommy, I don't care if you throw touchdown passes or score. I don't care how many assists you get in a basketball game or how many points you score. I don't even care if your team wins or if they lose. I love you and I approve of you because you're my what? Son. That's the Father. To you and to me. You're approved. When your faith is in Jesus, you're approved. You're loved. You're cared for. You belong to him. God is always for us. And then we can start living not for God's approval, but we begin to live from God's approval. Just a letter difference. It's a big difference, though. And then the things that we do are not to earn necessarily something from God or in hopes that He'll like us now. It's out of the love that He has for us that we do the things that we do. And sometimes we even do it right and then we celebrate, right? I lost you somewhere in there. I thought that was a great line. But anyhow, So, when we have an accurate view of God and recognize that God is always for us, it's easier to live and to serve uh, from a place of His approval and not for. So, uh, God is absolutely with you. You want to get out of debt? I'm not, you don't have to answer out loud, but you want to get out of debt? God's for you. You want to reconcile a broken relationship with whomever? God is working to soften hearts towards healing and reparations. We cultivate a God confidence by knowing our God is for us. <clears throat> the author of Hebrews uh, says this in chapter 10, verse 35. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Why does trust and confidence in God bring a reward? Because God is for us. We cannot depend on on self-confidence as valuable as we may think it is or we have been taught that it is and there are some advantages there are but this much i know i can place my confidence in the great i am i can place the future of my life in the hands of the great i am i can place my confidence in God to help me to reconcile relationships that are either damaged at my hand or the hands of somebody else. Anyhow, God is for us. Number two, our God always helps us. Always helps us. Now, what some of you are hearing here is that God is going to orchestrate my life and answer my prayers the way that I pray them and expect them to happen That's what it means when God helps us. Wrong. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that. It means that as we journey through this life and face victories and defeats and difficulties and challenges, that our God is at the ready to help us. Because God cares for you. It is his desire to help. A little bit later in Hebrews chapter 13, beginning in verse five, I love this text. There's so much promise in here, something for us to hang on to. Never will I leave you. How often do you think never is? He's never going to leave you. He's not going to leave me. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence The Lord is my helper. Say my helper. My helper. I will not be afraid. I love making you guys uncomfortable. So let's do this. Let's read this this phrase here aloud. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Let's read that aloud. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. I can't tell you how well I know that mentally, but don't live it experientially in my life. Does anyone else suffer from that? It's like, look at the promise that's right there before us. It's amazing to have a powerful helper that removes fear. I have a lot of incompetencies. One other one I'd like to share with you is I don't like electricity. I, I mean, I like the benefit of electricity. I hate working on electricity. I don't even want to take the cover plate off. Isn't that the thing that's over the little outlet or the switch, right? I don't like taking it off. That's like the stupidest thing anyone could ever do. <laughs> but I do have electrical problems now and again. Pam and I, in our previous house, we lived next to Walt and I own Adolf. Walt and I own Adolf. Iona since passed away, and she was a delightful lady. But when we lived there, all kinds of electrical things would go wonky on us. But he retired. After, after being an electrician for 60 years. So duh, who am I going to talk to about electrical issues? Most of the time, he says, Tom, in order for that appliance to work, you have to plug it in. <laughs> it's not quite that bad. But anyhow, so, so um, I got this electrical problem, and I get uh, Mr. Adolph, and he comes over, and he does this stuff, he does what he does, and then he says, Tom, uh, grab the wire. I have no hesitation... To grab the wire when Mr. Adolph says, grab the wire. Why? Because the master is in the house and he's helping me. It's all good. Well, maybe I was a little scared. I don't know, but you understand my point. It's like when the master's involved and we have confidence in the master, God confidence, life goes better. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. I know some of you are facing difficult times. I don't know if it's relational or a marriage or whatever. God stands ready to help. Maybe you're facing a very, very difficult conversation. And you're like hoping because it's scheduled for tomorrow. And you're hoping Sunday lasts forever. God will help you. He is so good to us. God is a helper in discouraging times, and you might say, well, I don't really see it. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't feel it. Our confidence um, was shattered probably 20 years ago thereabouts. Pam and I, Uh, you know, we were raised in the Pacific Northwest. We served at a church in the Salem area. We were called to a church in Los Angeles, and we went down there as executive pastors. It's a pretty good-sized church, about, I don't know, 25, 2,600 people. And we went down there, and so we uprooted our family. We went to LA. That was a shock. (coughs) Um, It was like sunny all the time. That's not good. And there's But my wife loves it. She loves it. And so when we got passes to Disneyland and she loved that and there was sand and sun on the beach, she loved that. She was happy. I was miserable, so it made for a complicated situation. We loved it. But unfortunately, without getting into any detail, I will let you know that our, my boss and our pastor um, did some extremely uh, painful and harmful things uh, to us and to our kids And we were convinced there is no way. If this is ministry, there is no way. We're out. We're out of here. And so it's a delightful story. But the reason I, in some respects, um, the outcome makes it delightful. Um, As we went through the pain and the darkness of that, God worked in a lot of tremendous ways. But we did not see the hand of God In the painful valley that we were in, it was after some restoration and after some healing that we could look back and say, look at the hand of God in those circumstances. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. That's Psalm 46 and verse 1. He is that to you. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know where you are emotionally. I don't know what your confidence is based in. But if it's based in anyone other than the Savior of the world, it's on shaky ground. But God is our refuge and strength. We're cultivating God confidence because our God is for us. Our God helps us. And the third and final point is this. Our God is is still working in us. My God is still working in me. And I'm so thankful for that because even though I would like to be able to say I'm so much of a more fully devoted follower of Christ now than I was when I got saved, I'd be lying a little bit. There's sometimes when I'm a better follower and sometimes that I'm not for some reason. I don't understand why. I think because I put the confidence in me rather than... In God. But Paul says this in Philippians 1 and verse 6, and this is going to encourage somebody today, maybe all of us. Paul says, Being confident of this, I'm going to add the TMF version, being confident of all the money I have in the bank, being confident of this prolific level of education that I have, being confident that I'm affiliated with this political party or associated with this cause for justice, none of that's in here. Paul's declaration is this, being confident of this, that he, that is God, who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. My God is still working in me, and he's still working in you. Somebody here needs to hear this because you did something really stupid last week. And shame and guilt is overbearing. Let me tell you something. God is still working in you. Some of you have spiritual doubts. If you're human, you probably do on occasion. But you feel like me, you should be so much farther along the spiritual maturity spectrum And you're not. A word from the Lord for you is that God is not finished with you yet. He's not. He's still working in you. Some of you might be caught in a cycle of sin. And you're absolutely convinced that you should be holier or more godly or whatever. I want to remind you, God is not finished with you yet. Don't let the enemy shackle you with shame. Jesus has come to set us free, and I am one who is so grateful for that. Some of you have been away from God. Maybe you were passionate in your relationship with him at one time, but it's virtually non-existent. Well, if you're here today, that's good news, because God is not finished With you yet. Let me say it succinctly. If you're not dead, God is not done. There's hope for us. I don't think I'm dead. I'm still here. That means God's working on me. He's not finished with me. Let me be honest, which would imply I haven't been here before, but I've been honest from the beginning. I often, I often don't feel like I I have given enough to my calling in ministry, that I don't give enough to, <clears throat> to Westside. I feel inadequate, that's real. At the same time, I feel undeserving of the faithful love and dedication that my wife has shown to me for 42 years. This is going on, so insecurity, inadequacy. It's like, it's a race in my head. And then, of course, I add to that that I wasn't a godly enough example to my kids while they were growing up. Anyone ever feel the vibe where you don't quite measure up? And I'm so excited. God is not finished with Tom yet. I'm so excited. That should give somebody some good news, I think. Yet my confidence is not based on what I bring to the game, because I bring nothing. I know this is where you should come to church and be encouraged and your ears tickled, But let me tell you, you got nothing (laughs) but Jesus. Amen? Amen? That's who we have. That's who we have. And we declare with the Apostle Paul being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God is for you. God is. God will help you. And the best news of all, God is still working in you because with each passing day, each moment of growth, when our God confidence grows, guess who we look like? We look that much more like Jesus tomorrow. What else can we ask for? Would you bow your heads with me, please? I'll invite the worship team to return. Those who will be praying, if you also would position yourselves, that would be just delightful. Heavenly Father, uh, I pray that uh, as your holy word has been uh, dissected and presented, um, you know, there's classes that help us do that. There's styles or methods. But Lord, none of it means anything if your Holy Spirit Uh, doesn't illuminate your Holy Word, if your Holy Spirit doesn't speak to our hearts and to our souls. Father, we pause just momentarily from all distraction and we ask and we make ourselves available for you to move by the power of your Holy Spirit that we might not only encounter Christ that we might also be changed by him. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.